A huge welcome back to Heart of the Bookkeeper, brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. This is Episode 7, and my name is Rob Marshall. Having spent over 25 years in the world of bookkeeping here in Australia, I have come to learn that the bookkeeping community, either those who work in practice, or those who are employed as a bookkeeper, or even those mums and dads of micro-business... They are all champions of an amazing cause here in this country that impacts in a major way every single day. My guest today is somebody who definitely is having a significant impact in the bookkeeping and small business world here in Australia, and I am just so pleased to bring you her story. My guest's name is Brooke Arnott, owner and CEO of the Small Business Lounge in Perth, Western Australia. In this episode, Brooke shares her bookkeeping and life journey in a very personal and open way. Brooke's battle to build her bookkeeping business and to make bookkeeping in the process to be sexy and cool is one you don't want to miss. A single mum with twin girls trying to be both a lioness and protector as well as provider and small business owner will inspire you significantly. Of that, I am certain. So please, find a moment. You don't want to miss this one. The fabulous story of Brooke Arnott. Brooke Arnott is the CEO of the Small Business Lounge, an incredibly successful, innovative and just out there business that's part of her journey as a bookkeeper, Baz agent and consultant. Brooke is also a very competent keynote speaker and media presenter, all whilst being a single mum of twin girls. But most of all, and best of all from my perspective, Brooke is from WA, my home (laughs) state. Brooke Arnott, welcome to Heart of the Bookkeeper. Hi, Rob. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us today on Heart of the Bookkeeper, especially today because for the listeners (laughs) who are listening in, and especially those who are overseas who are tuning in, and we're, we're absolutely thrilled with our overseas audience listening in on, on the podcast. Today is actually the 30th of June. So for those who are overseas and maybe aren't uh, sort of aware, that is our crazy day of the year here in uh, Australia for bookkeepers. It's the day where anxiety levels, all sorts of things just go off the planet. Brooke, how's the end of the financial year looking for you today? Are you you running around crazy or is it uh, Uh, a little bit more manageable? I think we're actually quite like organised this year. I think my my team has grown a lot in the last 12 months. So um, we had to put a lot of procedures and processes in place anyway as the year has kind of gone on. So I think, you know, touch wood, Rob, you just never know. But I think this end of financial year, um, we've kind of hit the ground running with our organisation. Thanks to ICB, I would say, and your templates, which is fantastic. Um, But yeah, I think, yeah, it's been okay. We've had a few clients calling up today with like, oh my gosh, I was going to purchase this and I've forgotten, you know, the standard. Um, But, you know, apart from that, I think we've covered it pretty well, which is good. It's one of those days of the year where, you know, even the calmest, most decent of clients just suddenly turn into werewolves or something. I don't know what Mm. goes on, but it's, it's just... 
at the end of the day, I think um, part of our job as bookkeepers sometimes is almost to play, you know, the role of uh, psychologist and, mm-hmm. you know, that calming influence in the life of the small business community of Australia. So uh, congratulations if you've managed to, to do that. Uh, I think so. I hope so. Being in WA, we've still got an hour to go really to five o'clock or just under 45 minutes. So hopefully uh, no one's uh, trying to contact me urgently right now. <laughs> My PA said to me earlier, she said, uh, two banks she's been trying to get payments through have melted down today apparently. Oh, so no. I'm suddenly trying to do things and I know I, I'm – I've got to be honest, I think I'm planning a, a last-minute trip to Officeworks to buy a printer or something just in case, you know, you need one, yeah. you know, as a taxi. <laughs> exactly. Well, I so. just um, bought a new TV online like half an hour ago for the office, so um, that was go. just a last-minute purchase, getting it delivered because obviously we're in lockdown at the moment. So I was like, okay, yeah. jump on, need a new TV for the office. So that was my last-minute end-of-financial-year purchase. So we will definitely get to the, the lockdown story in, in, a, in a short while. But <laughs> mm. uh, the first thing, I, I've known Brooke, for, for those listening in, for quite a while now, but um, something I only discovered earlier today that I had no idea about Brooke, and that was you're not actually a native West Australian. You're actually born in Melbourne. That is correct. Yeah, no, born in Melbourne originally, um, but moved to Perth when I was 13. So, right. yeah, I've basically grown up my teenage years here in Perth, but my dad and my stepbrother and half-brother and stepmom still live in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, obviously pre-COVID I used to go over to Melbourne quite a lot and visit them and I had a couple of clients in Melbourne. So, yeah, Melbourne's still my original hometown, but Perth is definitely home. <laughs> great, uh, great excuse to go and do some of the best shopping in, on the planet. Oh, and the it? restaurants you know, and the bars. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. no, nah, it's a great place to go. Mind you, Perth's getting there. I reckon oh, Perth's yeah. getting there, but, but it, I've got to be honest, it's not Melbourne. Yeah. No, it's not. But I tell you what, Rob, I love Perth and I love living in Perth. And I just think we have such amazing beaches and parks and now restaurants and places to go and obviously so close to down to where you live in Bunbury and Margaret River and Dunsborough and I'm very happy to be a Perthite and live here. There's worse places to live than Western Australia, that's for sure. But uh, I think we're one of the top cities to live in anyway, I think I saw recently. So We're going to claim it. Yeah. Yeah, mm. we're going we're to claim it. So. Definitely. So the many memories of growing up in Melbourne. Was there, you know, sort of were you put on the plane kicking and screaming to move to Western Australia or was it a case of you were ready to move on even at that early age? Well, it was a bit of a difficult time because my parents actually divorced when I was 11 or separated when I was 11 and then my mum at the time, her brother, my uncle was living over here in Perth and property prices were quite cheap over here at that time and I think mum was just looking for a new opportunity and a fresh start in life. Um, So it was at the time looking back I was like, oh, yeah, let's go and as long as we can get a pool I'll be happy, you know, in our house over there. But (laughs) Um, I did have to leave my dad behind and my stepmom and my stepbrother and my half-brother hadn't been born yet. So, um, yeah, that was difficult, definitely difficult and did miss having my dad around growing up as a teenage girl. But, um, you know, from there I think as I got older, around sort of around my 18 years and stuff, my dad and I become quite close and so as much as we kind of miss those years together all the time, we sort of made up for it, I think, as we've got older. Um, and oh, wow. Yeah, so we're super close now and we always have been. So, um, But, yeah, I sort of got to Perth and I actually went up a year in high school, which was kind of weird because back then there was like different years of schooling. 
in Melbourne compared to Perth. So I was in year eight in Melbourne and I think we left around May or, or maybe April or something and then I came to Perth and went up to year nine. So that was a bit of a struggle because the curriculum was different as well in WA to Melbourne as well. So I was like the youngest in the year. I actually graduated high school when I was um, 15. Right. Because of why the change. Yeah. So, Wow. yeah, I was 15 going on 16 basically. So, um, yeah, so I kind of went up a year and um, then, yeah, struggled a little bit with high school after that but managed to push through. Go to TAFE. That, that would have study business. Well, I'm thinking the educational side of it would have been challenging. What about you know leaving uh, as a teenage girl, uh, mm. leaving behind probably a bunch of friends that you'd grown up with or whatever, and and coming into a whole new environment? How did how did that go? It wasn't too bad. Um, I think at the time, like I struggled a little bit because puberty wasn't too kind to me, and I was quite chubby. <laughs> like this chubby little thing and um it was I was actually looking forward to a fresh start I think Rob like I was just thinking well you know I can meet new friends I don't know who I am and yeah so that side of it wasn't too hard and I've always been a good talker so I managed to make friends pretty quickly which was good um but yeah and then I'd go back to Melbourne sort of every six months to see my dad and so I'd catch up with my old friends then one of the things about this podcast that uh, sort of continues to blow me away, even though we're at episode seven now, is that just interviewing guests like yourself bring back memories for myself as well. This this may or may not help you, but in year seven, I can remember my nickname was Chubb <laughs> because of exactly the I don't think I've told that to anyone oh, really? ever. I've tried yeah. to put that one in the past because... And I couldn't understand why at the time. But now I look back <laughs> on a few photos and I go, oh, now I get it. Now yeah, I know I why know. I, so, yeah, there you go. So I too was uh, a little bit on the um, the chubby side. Yes. Well, it was funny. I was chubby, but I had these long skinny legs, So, but just really chubby around my tummy. And um, But then when I was about 14, 15, I just shot up really tall right. and then kind of lost the weight from then. So, But, yeah, yeah definitely yeah. had a few chubby years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. We, should, we share something in common. Cute and chubby. Cute and chubby, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just chubby. I was just chubby. I won't go the cute bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so when you sort of got to the end of high school you know, and graduating a lot earlier than the rest of us, we were mm. all still, I was still peddling away at 17, maybe year, yeah. year 12 was the best three years of my life perhaps. I don't know. We won't go there. But anyway, <laughs> um, So I ask this question regularly on this show. Mm. Was there a moment ever during that period, especially in those early educational years where you went, I want to be a bookkeeper? No. <laughs> when did that happen or, or what? Where, where were you originally going before that? I didn't think I really knew what I wanted to do. I always kind of wanted to be a flight attendant but just kind of thought that was really out of reach for me so I didn't really pursue that desire but... When I was at the end of year 12, I was lucky enough to get a job at a medical centre as a medical reception on the weekends. So um, I started working there and then I went to TAFE just to do business because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And my friend was going to TAFE to do business, so I thought I'll just go with her. And then I ended up getting a full-time job at the medical centre when I finished my business certificate. And yeah, that's when my career started really. So I um, just kind of worked my way up to 2IC at the medical centre in Scarborough. And I had a great boss called Joyce, who was amazing. She was actually a really good mentor for me. Um, And I was friends with her son. So yeah, we just um, worked together. And then they actually bought a software company for like a front desk kind of thing to run medical centres on. So um, they started developing that. And then I started training 
other people how to use that program. So it was called Surgiwear. So, um, yeah, so I did that for a couple of years with them as well. And, um, yeah, then I went overseas. But that was definitely the start of my career. Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to overseas <laughs> in a moment. I'm yeah. interested, many of the listeners on, on deck would uh, certainly identify with having that mentor type person, the Joyce that you spoke mm. about. What, what do you think, what were the things that Joyce taught you that, you know, you kind of now go, wow, she, you know, she knew what she was talking about or they really kind of, you know, set me on a pathway that's been a great pathway to be on? I think when I look back at the way she was as a boss, like as she was a great leader and she always managed the medical centre really well. She had a great relationship with her staff and she just kind of saw, I guess, potential in me and, and would mentor me in terms of how to run the business, you know, how to do the wages. She would just help me and teach me along the way. And I think that's come what she sort of showed me has helped me in the way that I'm now the boss of my own company and, you know, looking after the staff and everything here. I think it's definitely helped a lot having her around in my younger days as a, you know, early, like late teens, early 20s. She was definitely a great mentor for me. Mm. I think for all of us who've, you know, tried to, for want of another words, grow our bookkeeping businesses over our time or whatever, to be able to lean back into people that we've had association with. So, you know, I can go back to a guy who literally taught me um, debits and credits, you know, mm. on the back of an exercise book. And, you know, at the time or even for a period later, I thought, oh, you know, that was a, that was a bit lame. But mm. now I look back and I go, that's what, so many things that we talked about. I used to go around to his house and he would just sh- sort of show me the ledgers and the tea ledgers and all that sort of stuff. And it just, that got me to a point where I went, yeah, this is this is good for me. I, mm. I get this, you know. Sometimes at the time we don't recognise it, but like you just have with Joyce, you know, they come back, don't yeah, they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And do you know what else, Rob? I actually did, they used to call it veggie maths at school. So I was yeah, actually never, I, <laughs> I never really, was really that good at maths, but I really got veggie maths, which was all about running a business and, you know, ledgers and all that sort of stuff, you know, setting up budgets. So I was actually really good at veggie mass and it just kind of all fell into place. I just really enjoyed that part of it. But definitely the software training was also something that I really enjoyed doing and teaching yep. people how to use the program. So that's where I kind of found my niche, I think. I already know my wife is going to kill me for this because <laughs> funny you raise about veggie maths. We'll be uh, out to dinner somewhere and somehow something will come up and she'll go, I was ducks of maths in, uh, at school back in the day and I throw in, yeah, but it was veggie mass. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, veggie so, mass was the bomb. Everyone that did veggie mass was just like used to love going to mass. You know, they really, really enjoyed it. So they did. They need to bring it back. Where the rest of us who were trying to do the advanced math on mm. math, math one, one and one and two, I think it was that yeah. I did. I had yeah. no. I, I was. I sat there most of the time wishing I was in veggie math because oh. all the ones in veggie math were having an absolute ball. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So. You've come to Perth. Things are starting to sort of develop for you. You've uh, your legs have, have, have lengthened. You're you're, yeah. <laughs> you're nice and tall cool by now. <laughs> yeah, a bit skinny. <laughs> uh, and then I've got I've I've got uh, sort of noticed that you then took off to London. Is, yes. Is that the next phase of thing? Yeah, year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so the world didn't blow up because you know everyone was worried in nineteen ninety nine that the world was going to blow up when yeah, the yeah. Y two K. Y two K. So all the computers didn't crash, so that was good. So yeah, in February two thousand, I took off over to London 
some friends were over there. So I just kind of, you know, bunked up with them in their apartment. And I got a job at Centrepoint over there, which was a charity. It was one of the Princess Diana charities and they would help the homeless youth of London. So I worked in the finance department there as a finance um, admin assistant. So that was good. I did three months there and I then we were, then we went travelling. So then we went down through France and Spain. With, we got a uh, old posty van and that was all decked out. So that was good. So, yeah, nice. with, um, it was actually my best friend Lauren from high school and her partner, now husband Dean, and his mate Shay, who's actually a client of mine now, so we're all still connected together. Um, so, yeah, we went off travelling, had a great time. Unfortunately, Laura and I didn't travel too well together, so we decided to save our friendship and I ended up um, heading back to London after about three months on the road. But it was good. I had a really good time. I saw lots of things, enjoyed the travelling life, although I did miss home a little bit. And, yeah, at the time I also met um, my husband-to-be, who's my ex-husband, who's the girl's dad. Um, yeah, so I met him over there and his visa was running out. So after about nine months of being away, decided to come home. So we came home via Thailand, got engaged and ended up back in Perth. Wow. I'm guessing you didn't see all that happening when you just hopped on a plane and no. to London in the first place. No. <laughs> so nine months later, I was like, oh, okay, now I'm engaged and done that trip and now I'm back again. But I was always like in in love with the idea of getting married and having kids. Yep. So I was pretty happy to get engaged and thought, well, you know, this is time to settle down. So got back to Perth and at that time um, corporate company group Endeavour Healthcare, that's right. They were owned by Kerry Packer. They were going around buying medical centres and amalgamating them together um, into the big super centres and GST had come in. So, yeah, so I joined Endeavour Healthcare and started being a practice manager. Um, so running their sort of big centres and training their staff in how to use the account, uh, the, um, the medical um, reception software. So, yeah, that was my next career move, moving into that sort of corporate world of healthcare. Was there was it about then that you started to discover that you were good with software and being able mm. to work with people and train people and and was that maybe the moment where you know some of the the bookkeeping aspect of any business started to creep in? Perhaps? Yeah, definitely. I met um, the financial controller Marcia became a good friend of mine, and she, you know, that was really when you know they'd send the end, end of month um, bank statements through to us, and we would have to comment on each of the transactions, and they'd send through the P&L for each centre and we'd have to, you know, make sure we've reached our KPIs and I had to manage the payroll and had to manage staff and had to manage doctors and also like allied health professionals that would rent out the rooms as well. So yeah, I was basically just running this quite large business, but also reporting to, you know, head office kind of thing as well. So yeah, it was a really interesting role, very challenging, very long hours. And they did put a lot of pressure on us at that time. But um, yeah, no, I did enjoy the role. And I think it's really gave me the skill sets to actually go out and run my own business after that. I've heard lots of you know, evidences of, of people, of especially ladies who have, have had experiences in medical centres or with pharmacies or whatever that have led to them discovering a passion for bookkeeping. So there seems to be a mm. bit of a common thread there. I, I can think of half mm. a dozen local 
people that I know of that have had that sort of start point working in that sort of environment. Meanwhile, I was, you know, trying to be an emu farmer. So I don't know how I ended up being a bookkeeper, but that's how that one one stroke. You haven't told me that before. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that one, that one's another story for another day. Yeah. so the point or the moment that you've sort of gone, I'm really comfortable about, you know, getting married at a young age and I am mm. keen to settle down and have kids and then from what I understand, the actual having the kids bit became a little bit more challenging than what mm. any of us thought about. Do you want to sort of um, tell us a little bit of that journey? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I got married just after we got back. I think it was two years after we got back from London um, and then tried to fall pregnant. I think we started trying when I was about 26, 27 years old. And, um, yeah, we sort of tried for six months. Nothing was really happening, so went for the tests. Um, and found out that my husband wasn't able to conceive naturally or, you know, um, our only real path from there was to go down the IVF road. So, yeah, we went and saw a specialist and went through all the testings and everything you need to do for IVF and, you know, also come up with the money to pay for it because it's very expensive yeah, so first round uh, went through and got overstimulated, which was really hard um, for me because I ended up in hospital and really sick because my body was obviously functioning quite normal. So I just responded really well to the hormones and they couldn't do like a natural transfer at that time. So we had to go and um, freeze some of the eggs and yeah, do some frozen embryo transfers, which none of them ended up working. So it was about a two-year journey to fall pregnant. Um feeling pretty low, I guess, because, you know, all your friends around you are getting pregnant and, you know, it's easy for them. And the one thing that I really wanted in my life was to be a mum and it just wasn't happening. So Mm. Mm. eventually um, they got everything right and they transferred two blastocysts, which are five-day-old embryos, and I fell pregnant with twin girls. So... Yeah, that was so pretty amazing. That's is that fairly common with IVF, you know? Not anymore. No. Have, no. They only do one transfer, but back then it, they were still able to do two. So my doctor said to me, "Look, you know, we've got two pretty strong blastocysts here. You're pretty you're young, you're healthy. Do you want us to transfer both?" And I was, you know, because we'd had so many um, failures and nothing sort of was working, I was like, "Yep, just put them both in." Yep. So, and it was actually good because the scientist that was actually, or the embryologist that was doing, that actually did the procedure and was storing them was a friend of a friend of mine. So she used to send me little updates every day and said, let me know how the, how they were going and send me text messages and give me a call and stuff. So that was really good. So, um, yeah, she goes, these two are really strong. So, yeah, they put them both in and found out I was pregnant a couple of weeks later. It was very exciting. The pregnancy itself went... Okay, uh, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I, I was big, very big with two babies and two placentas. And then, yeah, I went in and had them at 37 and a half weeks. Yeah, I mean, it was really scary in the early stages because you always think, oh, gosh, what if they don't stick and what if, you know, we lose them? Um, yeah. The pregnancy went really well, thank goodness. Were you aware all the time that it would be girls? Did, was, yeah, I found that, out at no, 20 weeks right. that they were girls. Yeah, I was so excited. 
I always just wanted to have at least one girl. So to have two, I was like, yes. Yeah. So that was really exciting. And I, um, they were big, good-sized babies when they were born as well. So, yeah, they just had a, had a – I was just really, really lucky um, that they were healthy when they were born. So. And out come Charlotte and Indy. Is, yes, exactly. Is, um, yes. Charlotte and Indy. So. Charlotte and Indiana, yeah. And they um, changed my life forever. <laughs> From that day, the dogs weren't happy when I brought them home, that's for sure, because they were like, what are these crying things in, like, in my room? Like, what's happening? But no, and they looked so different when they were born. Like, Indy had this black spiky hair. She had these bright blue eyes and she looked like a little old lady. <laughs> we said she's like a little yeah. old soul. And then Charlotte had no hair. She was bald, these big brown eyes. Gorgeous. Um, so, yeah. yeah, but beautiful, both beautiful, but just so different as well. They are. And I'd, I'd kind of almost forgotten all about that. And then two months ago, I became a grandparent for the first uh, time. So I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm reliving all those days right now. And uh, yeah. I've got to give you the tip. It's, it's a tad easier being a grandparent than it was being a, uh, a new parent, put it that way. But uh, I think it's harder, Rob, being a parent of a teenage teenagers. <laughs> Any. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got one of those, so I'm with you on that one. And, it, and think, it's funny, yeah. but for, for the, for, it's a lot easier being the owner of a border collie. Uh, for those exactly. who uh, who know Brooke, you know that she's got this famous border collie called Chili. And um, yes. I'm while while I'm doing this interview, I'm actually watching Chili recline behind Brooke. And uh, I think when you mentioned something about the dog, she popped he her head up. Just, Are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you talking about me? I oh, know. I thought uh, I'll, yeah. I actually just took him for a walk before because I was like, oh, he'll probably want to be involved. He actually had likes to be part of our staff meetings usually. He's usually up in my lap when we're doing a Zoom meeting or something. He's uh, always part of the team, chilly boy. If you follow uh, Brooke on Instagram or any of the socials, you'll quite often see uh, Chili get a bit of a gig on uh, in one of the meetings or one of the, yeah, there she, there he is. He's yeah. just popped his head around, heard his name. <laughs> so, well, uh, what happened one day, Rob, was um, on our website, we used to have him as general manager. He's now marketing That's manager. Right. He's now marketing That's manager, right. but he used to be general manager. And obviously they were scraping the websites for calls um, to call people up to try and sell things. So Optus called us one day and uh, our marketing manager, Monica, answered the phone and they were like, oh, quickly speak to Chili, please. <laughs> she was like, uh, who? And they're like, Chili, your general manager. <laughs> Monica's like, uh, that's the dog. <laughs> but she she couldn't speak. She was laughing so much. She handed, had to hand it over to one of the bookkeepers to talk. It was so funny. That is that is a classic. Now he's the marketing manager, so he quite likes his role. <laughs> the marketing manager, I love it. Yeah, you could uh, you could you you could make a whole podcast out of that, I reckon. So, oh, uh, exactly. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, he's a funny boy. Well, folks, if you're wondering right now, if you've just tuned in, we're, we're, we're this is heart of the bookkeeper, not heart of the border collie, <laughs> but we might actually start a podcast called that because both Brooke and I. They are uh, very passionate border collie owners, and we love our border collies. Um, we do. So, yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful dogs. So yes. moving on, mm. moving on. Uh, Charlotte and Indy have uh, have come along, and um, you can you know, obviously tell the story better mm. than I. But I, some time after that, things didn't work out with the marriage. I'm guessing, and, yeah. um, and you suddenly found yourself the mum, the single mum of two twins. Yeah, that's right. I. Um... The girls were about 16 months old and um, my husband was kind of working away a little bit, just doing some work up in Karatha 
um, he was a project manager and um, he came back and everything seemed right. but what's like, you know, it's like as a parent, you know, you kind of both, you know, robots being parents working. We had two twins like to look after. Um, I woke up one morning, it was a Tuesday morning, the 1st of May and um, I got out of bed and my husband had gone to work early and I was just getting the girls ready for playgroup. And I went into the bathroom and I'd had a shower and stuff like that. And I opened up the cupboard and, um, yeah, all these toiletries were gone. And I was like, oh, it's really weird. I wonder what's happening here. And then I looked and his electric shaver was gone. And, yeah, it was just really strange. And I was just went and got dressed and didn't think too much of it. And then I looked in the cupboard and there was like some of his clothes were gone. And I was just all of a sudden just had this really ill feeling come over me. But I was still confused about what was going on. So... I rang him and he answered the phone and I said, oh, what's going on? Like, all your stuff's gone, are you going away and you forgot to tell me, you know? And um, he just went quiet and I went, oh, my God, you're leaving me? And he just said yes. Mm. And I was like, Mm. my whole world literally just fell from beneath me. I had no idea. I was literally Mm. blindsided by the man that I loved. Um, And then I got angry I was like, why? You know, we've got these girls, you know, we've got our girls and our family and we've, you know, we've set up, we've got our house and I don't understand. And he just hung up on me and disappeared for like three or four days. Mm. So I had no idea where he was. I had no idea what was happening. So I just fell into a bit of a heap. I was just very lucky that I had my family and my friends come around to help and support me um, and just kind of, yeah, um, nurture me through that time because the girls were only 16 months old. So, you know, they were young and um, it was very confusing for everyone. And, yeah, unfortunately he came back about a week later, caught up with a friend of ours and, um, yeah, he just had checked out of the marriage, um, ended up finding out that he had an affair and he'd gone and taken money out of the bank account, got himself an apartment and just done all this stuff behind my back and I just literally had no idea what was going on. Mm. So, Mm. yeah, I was literally at rock bottom I think, Rob, at that stage of my life, I just didn't know where to turn to. The bank were calling. They wanted to take the house because he hadn't been paying the mortgage. Obviously, I wasn't working. I didn't have any access to the really to the bank accounts because at that time I was just like, you look after that side of it. I'm just going to take care of the kids. Um, so I didn't really realise what sort of financial position we were in either. It was a pretty traumatic time. <laughs> it's like, Brooke, um, yeah. that, that is, um, well, first of all, um, thank you for sharing that. That's um, that's something that I can't even imagine how difficult that must have been for you. Um, mm. I know how hard it is, you know, having been in an amazing relationship with for 30 odd years with my wife, just trying to bring up, you know, at times three or four kids and you've got two kids and you're on your own and you're trying to pay the bills and, I, I, yeah. you know, and I, I just... I can't even try to imagine how difficult that must have been. Did you have a bit like your your mentor for your work? Did you have somebody who got or some bodies that came around you at that time and were able to try and help you through this? Oh, definitely my friends and family. Um, my dad flew over from Melbourne. My mum was there. Lauren, my best friend from high school, and a lot of other friends that were all mutual friends of both of us um, just, you know, supported me and rallied around and my brother over here in Perth and my sister-in-law um, really helped me just mm. in terms of just sorting out my life really for that, particularly because everything had to be done really quickly and there was no negotiating with him. He'd made his decision. He made his mind up. Um, and the worst thing was, Rob, is he turned really nasty on me like it was my fault 
So everything was really difficult from that day on. There was nothing that was easy um, and he would just get angry all the time and just wouldn't talk to me and, yeah, it was just a really difficult time for that probably first six months after we separated um, and just had to sell the house really quickly. So I sold the house and then I moved in with my brother and my sister-in-law for another six months after that, which was good, and they kind of took care of the girls and I and I took care of them. They were happy to have us there, I think, because I was cooking for them and mm. cleaning and doing all that sort mm. of stuff. And, yeah, so it was actually quite a nice time just to feel a little bit supported um, and have that around me through that difficult time. Family is an incredible thing, isn't it? Oh, Family definitely. Is something that's just, at, especially in times like that, it just shines through when you know you've got family around you that can pick you up. You mm. know? And um, from a support point of view, is that the moment that you started to think, well, I am, you know, I've got these two girls, I'm going to have to support them somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, what was that where, because, you know, the, the next part of the story <laughs> I do know a little bit about, and that's the incredible innovative way that your brain thinks and Mm. the way that you look outside the square, did you suddenly go, I just got to get on with this. I've got to do something here. Is that what evolved? Yeah. Definitely. You know, I had these two little girls and I remember one night, not long after um, Brad had left and Charlotte was in, you know, the little sleeping bags, little zip up sleeping bags that the kids wear to bed. And I remember she climbed out of bed and she um, was waddling up the hallway towards me with her feet still in there and her little smile on her face. And I just remember that. I "I can't lay in bed and cry for the rest of my life. Mm. I have to make shit happen. I have to get up and I have to support these girls. And, you know, I guess that they gave me that inspiration to keep going and driving and not just feeling sorry for myself and going, hey, like, you know, I just had to make it happen. So, yeah, I I guess I spent a year. um, I got some money from when we sold the house, not a lot, but I did get some. So I just kind of lived off that and a little bit of um, government assistant because, um, yeah, he wasn't paying child support, which I basically um, just thought, you know, after about a year, because the whole plan was to have the girls and I wasn't going to go back to work until they went to school. So that kind of changed. Um, but, yeah, that's when I got into bookkeeping, basically. I thought need to start something that I can do from home or yeah. smaller hours and I couldn't go back to managing the medical centre because I was there was really long days and I would have had to be there after hours and, yeah, I just couldn't do that. So, yeah, bookkeeping fell into my lap, really. The heart of the bookkeeper kicked in, yes. but I'm going to call it I'm going to call it the strength of the woman. I'm just, you know, to to hear how you could pick yourself up and get yourself going and you know, the amazing inspiration that you're calling in of your own small children to do that is mm. a phenomenal story in itself, Brooke. That's it, it is oh, thanks, purely Rob. inspirational, purely yeah. inspirational stuff. Well, you just, you're like a lioness, really. Like you've got your cubs, you've got to take care of them. So you do anything <laughs> yeah. to take care of them. And me sitting around crying about someone that's made a decision to leave us and feeling sorry for myself is not going to benefit anyone. I just kind of took that power and just turned it into creating my new life for the girls and I. So so how did the, you got this idea, okay, I can, I think I can maybe make a career out of being a bookkeeper. Mm. Was there, um, you know, some people locally here in Western Australia that you turned to or what, what, what did you do? Yeah, it was actually um, one of my good friend's husbands. Um, so uh, he, he actually is a really good friend of mine as well. So he had a kitchen cabinet making business and he um, was using 
oh, I think it was called Banklink. Remember Banklink back in the day? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. And he wanted to uh, move to NYOB. And he yep. said, oh, I used to run medical centres and do phones. Do you reckon you could come and help me do that? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Never used the program before in my life. So <laughs> self-taught myself how to use it. Set him up on that. And then I'd just go in one day a week and just help him with his bookkeeping. And we were lucky that another good friend of ours, Gareth, who's uh, my accountant now and who, you know, has kind of, he kind of taught me some things about NYOB as well. And we just kind of, I just kind of, you know, fake it till you make it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so basically I, yeah, started there and then he had another friend, another guy that was making the cabinets that needed someone. So then I went and helped him one day a week and then, the our accountant friend just sent me a couple of clients. So just kind of built up from there really, um, just working mm. alongside accounting firms. Um, so then, yeah, Brooks Books started. So that was the Brooks Books. Brooks, yeah. Brooks. <laughs> I remember Brooks Books, yeah. I can remember looking on from down here in, in Bunbury. Mm. Uh, so for the listeners who don't understand, I'm, I'm south of Perth. So, And I can I, suddenly I'm seeing this, you know, I, I can't exactly remember where the moment, but this Brooks Books turning up. I'm thinking, well, what a cool name for a start. That, yeah. That's really well done. And then from my perspective, you started to pop up at a few places that uh, I was attending and, and suddenly... You're one of the rock stars of the bookkeeping uh, game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was <laughs> trying. Were, I was trying. Yeah. I, uh, I went to Chuart College actually and did my MYOB training there. And then I think from there, and then I started, I don't know how I got onto ICB, but I, I got onto them and then started going to some of their events. And um, obviously, I think that first MYOB event I went to in Melbourne, I got introduced to you properly. But, yeah, I think, and then I just remember um, Martine, you know, from Book Quiz, I was seeing her at an ICB, and Amanda, actually, I remember walking up to her and saying, oh, my gosh, how did you get to where you are? I want to be you one day, and (laughs) both of them. But I just had a passion, and I just saw an opportunity, I think, at that time of really making a really good career for myself and making a bit of a change in the industry as well, like making bookkeeping cool. Like we just joke around the office, we want to make bookkeeping sexy. Like that's what we want to do. We want to go with the times. We want to embrace technology and, you know, that's where my passion really was. That's when I came alive. I think I was like, okay, I've got this. I can do this. Other people have done it. Why can't I? So, yeah, I just was inspired. And I think certainly observing that's exactly what you did and, and I think history will show that you and a, and a few people around you sort of made, I'm not going to call it out derogatorily, but you made, you made bookkeeping cool. You mm. made it really cool, you know, and and that's not a word that had been associated with bookkeeping in, in, in the no. past. I can give you the tip, you know, back in the, the 80s, in particular 70s, 80s, maybe well into the 90s, you know, to say you're a bookkeeper was sometimes almost you just sort of whispered it because nobody yeah. would really wanted to admit you were a bookkeeper, you know. Exactly. You, you were only cool if you're an accountant. You weren't, a, you know. So well done for a start because you definitely um, played a role in that. And that that's the next part of the story that I've been most looking forward to unpacking and that is hmm. the creation of the Small Business Lounge, and I think many of the listeners are really keen to hear this story, so I'm going to throw it over to you. How did the Small Business Lounge come about? What was the, was there a moment where you just went, oh, I got this amazing idea, and then you just went for it? How, how did, mm. explain to us, what, what is the Small Business Lounge, and how did it start? 
Okay. So, yeah, so obviously I had Brooks Books, which was my bookkeeping and consulting, and I was doing a lot of training and that sort of thing in that as well. I had a couple of contractors that were working for me um, and then I put on a couple of employees. And I just, uh, I guess the defining moment was, you know, our clients would come to us and say, oh, look, do you know someone that can do my website? Do you know someone that can do my marketing? Do you know someone that can organize insurance? Like, do you know all these people? Because we become that trusted advisor for our clients and they come to us for everything. You know what I mean? So I was like, I need to create a space where they can come and get everything they need in one place, like a one-stop shop. So, and I guess, you know, from working in the medical centers and seeing them amalgamate together and how that worked and other things as well, I thought there's no one really doing that here. You know, I can really start doing something new and it can be a cool place to come as well. And um, so I had the idea in my head a little for a little while, but then I went to New York for my 40th birthday and I'd had the idea floating around, but I was like, I was in sitting in a cafe over there at the time and looked up at the wall and I was like, I want to create a space that's like a New York apartment that people can come into, feel relaxed, make bookkeeping really cool. And I came up with the small business lounge name and yeah, it just kind of went from there. Came back to Perth, started looking around for a space and found this little cool old little building in Oxford Street in Mount Hawthorne that was falling down at the time. I could kind of see that there was this really um, beautiful brick wall and I was like, I need to pull that plaster off that wall and open the door with uh, two bookkeepers and myself and went, shit, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had one of those moments once too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh-oh, I've got this yeah, lease now yeah. and what am I going to do? How, but, I mean, I was lucky I had quite a good range of clients from Brooks Books anyway. So, you know, I wasn't opening the door with no clients but all of a sudden it was December, you know, everyone's kind of quiet over January and I was just waiting for the phone to ring. And I remember the first day the phone rang, we were like, oh, my God, the phone's ringing. <laughs> Quick, somebody answer it. <laughs> Um, I got a girl, um, who sent me a message on, on our Facebook page and said, hi, I'm Monica. I just live down the road. I've got a marketing degree, but haven't really been able to utilize that yet. Can I come in and chat to you and help you just help you out? So she came in the door and we had a good chat. She was Canadian and I was like, yeah, do you want to just come and help me one day a week in here? And we hugged, she went out the door. She started the next week or the next day actually. And she's now my marketing manager. So we created the marketing team together. And yeah, so I guess, yeah, the Small Business Lounge is a one-stop shop, but our main services are bookkeeping, a lot of advisory work now, cloud integration and marketing, business strategy, websites, brand, all of those things. Um, And then we work quite closely with lawyers, insurance companies, and just other, you know, HR companies and other things that people need to run their businesses. So, and we've just opened up in the Southwest near you as well, Rob. Yes, you're expanding. Yeah, Yeah. we've got two locations and got some big plans for the Small Business Lounge. And we've got 10 staff here in Western Australia, one down in Margaret River and three in the Philippines. Wow. Mm. That's phenomenal. That that is that is an amazing story. And so, right now, do you reflect on the fact that as hard as what happened to you with your partner leaving you and, and mm. that difficult time you went through, do you think it kind of almost 
like you said, emerged the lioness, you know, it sort of brought out. Yeah. 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 Definitely, definitely. And I've had my battles. Like the first three years of the Small Business Lounge was tough, really tough, you know. Um, It wasn't easy. It wasn't a huge profitable business to begin with, to be honest. I wasn't taking, drawing much wage, you know. I went into an ATO debt. Like I just, it it was hard work, you know. Mm. But this year Mm. we turned over a million dollars plus, you know, and wow. for, for us, for me to, and for me to be able to take a really good wage out of the business as well, you know, I'm earning over a six-figure wage now. That is, for me, achieving my goals and I've just grown so much in the last 12 months just isn't it, to tick, tick, tick. <laughs> yeah, isn't it funny that basically the moment that you go, I can actually take a wage now is I yeah. think the moment for small business people where you go, I think I've arrived. I've actually oh, arrived now. <laughs> exactly. You know, and paying your own super, you know, like going from yeah. a sole trader to a company <laughs> and then doing a wage and then actually yeah. going, okay, well, I actually can pay myself superannuation now. This is really exciting, yes. you know. Um, yes. You know, when we turned over that million, I tell you, we celebrated. We were like, yes, you know, Um and we set the budget and when we reach the budget, it's like I reward my staff as well. Um, they've been on the journey with me along the way and a lot of them are mums. A lot of them work, you know, part-time, some work full-time. We have a flexible working arrangement. A lot of them work from home or they come into the office. But, you know, family is so important and so work-life balance is so important and, you know, they've all grown within the company. Like yeah. Josie, our digital marketing manager, she started off as our first intern. Wow. And now she's doing dear Shopify um, integrations, you know, and then, yeah, she's amazing. She's just grown so much. Um, and that's what I love about what I do. And and from what I understand, you, yeah, you guys provide a all-in solution and you've, you know, clearly you've yep. had a long connection with MYB, but you work very closely with Zero now, I believe. Yep. And, and you've got You've got lots of sort of opportunities that a business person who walks through the door or wants to engage with you guys, you've you've got it covered. Yeah, and we do grants now as well. So, and I do a lot of business strategy, which is great. And we do like a business strategy plan where they can come and get um, sessions with myself, our management, one of our management accountants and our marketing team. So they're getting like a full so I do business strategy, but then they can do all of yep. the finance. So they're getting the whole kind of um, solution, but just working with one company, which has been really good. And see, and we're working with bigger companies too. Like I'm finding now that some clients, um, bigger clients don't want to employ bookkeepers or CFOs anymore, you know, or marketing managers. They want to outsource that. They want someone that's at the top of their game all the yeah. time. Um, so there's big opportunities out there for us in this industry to reach into that market. And when COVID yeah. hit, you know, everyone panicked last year. Um, but I went, flipped mine around and went, I'm going to start targeting the bigger companies. So, yeah. you know, some of our clients are turning over plus 10, 15, 20 million that we're working with wow. and we're managing to, cause I've got management accountants as well as senior bookkeepers and, you know, bookkeepers. So we now package all that up for them and they're all on retainers. So my cash flow is much better, <laughs> all on direct debit. And it's just changed the way that I run my business now. Such an inspiration, Brooke. And I think um, I, I'm almost certain that some some of the listeners are listening in right now to this podcast uh, at the start of their journeys. Mm. And you'd be an amazing person to uh, to perhaps say to them, if you've got a dream, go for it because you yeah. clearly are somebody who had a dream and, and well, you had a need probably more initially, and then you acted on that and just simply inspirational. 
Brilliant, Brooke. Thank you, Rob. And, you know, the business always has only been open four and a half years and just keep going. Like, as I said, like it it can be really hard at first and, you know, um, I've had definitely had a lot of my lows um, and, as I said, you know, struggles and thinking, oh, my God, is this going to work? But you've just got to keep pushing, keep pushing and change direction. Don't stay doing the same thing if it's not working. Change direction. Well, I think you've answered the question. I'm, I'm going to introduce a new new concept into the heart of the bookkeeper that we haven't had in any of the previous episodes, and that's a guest question. You're the guest uh, on this podcast, but I've got a guest asking the guest a question. So I threw it out there, and this question's from somebody I, I think you know pretty well, and many of the listeners would know. This is from Chris McCormick. Oh, from, yes, Chris. Uh, <laughs> our, uh, a good friend friend of ours from uh, MYAB, a, yeah. a great supporter of the ICB, and he just simply asked, um, ask Brooke for me, Rob, what, what is she most passionate about these days? Hmm. I, I'm thinking that obviously your passion for creating the Small Business Lounge, you've just explained to us, but outside of that, what uh, drives Brooke Arnott these days? What's something that you love doing oh. outside of bookkeeping? Um, so I have a beautiful new partner now who I've been with for nearly 12 months and he has got me into mountain bike riding. I heard so a whisper. at 45, I've started mountain bike riding and like quite extreme. I always say it's quite extreme. I mean, he's much better than me, but we go down to Margaret River, we go to Collie, we go up into the hills. So, you know, we do the trails, I'm sort of on the blue, green to blue trails, not quite, you know, up there yet. But, you know, you know, we went down to Collie and we did like a 20K ride through the bush and stuff. And yeah, so that's kind of my new passion, which he's got me into, which is keeping me a little bit nice. fit, which is good. Um, yeah. And you know, definitely right. my girls. You know, like they've they're fifteen now, so they're having a few struggles being teenage girls. And obviously, with their dad leaving, it's been quite hard for them. Um, but my new partner's amazing, and we, you know, he's got younger kids, and we don't live together. We're just taking things really slow. But he's a really um, settled um, person that has a big heart, and is a really good role model for them to see that men can actually be. Um, you know, uh, good people and relationships can be positive because I, you know, I did have another relationship in between for seven years that probably wasn't the most healthiest relationship. So it's been really lovely the last 12 months to have him by my side and we've gone through quite a lot together, Mm. you know, and Mm. we've just kind of been there for each other, which has been really nice. And it's a good feeling to have. I want to pick up on that point too because if you do follow Brooke on um, social media, you'll see quite often with Brooke is is – Two regulars, uh, Martine and Jen. I'm guessing. Oh yes. We all in the bookkeeping industry um, celebrate if we can have those who know how we tick, also, you know, sort of work alongside us, and more so in a social sense. I, I, I've seen you guys in action. You are like the, the you know, the dynamic <laughs> the three trio musketeers. or something like that. The three musketeers. Yeah. Yeah. Great mates. I'm guessing. Oh, we are. Brooke and Martine. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And it's that we do have very similar businesses, but, you know, we support each other and we call each other all the time. So whatever's going on in our companies, we just support each other and help each other out. And yeah, I mean, just having them by my side over the years has been amazing. I couldn't 
probably have got to where I am. And, you know, Martine was a big mentor for me. Like I looked up to her so much and I thought I'm never going to be able to get to where she is mm-hmm. in her business because she's so amazing. But I feel like I'm kind of catching her now. <laughs> no, but, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, it's good. And, yeah, no, and it's really good. And, like, you know, when I was, um, I think, I'm not sure if there was a way, but I've got a partnership with Bankwest. And, you know, even just going through the negotiations with that, you know, I'd call up and say, what do you think? And so, you know, it's great having their um, advice and friendship along the way yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, there's, there's there's the barking manager oh, in can the you background. Hear him? Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's down chasing, <laughs> chasing something in the backyard, I think. He's got a bird or a cat or something. So, yes, getting out and many, about. <laughs> many of us at a, a, um, a bookkeeping type event a couple of years ago heard Jen Pryor as well speak mm. on stage and it's it's one of the, the more inspirational stories I've heard. She's um, she's a, a great mate of yours, I know, and oh, certainly yeah. a great friend of the, of the bookkeeping, of the ICB and the bookkeeping world. So Yeah, she's amazing, we, um, Jen. Yeah, she's a tough Ma- nut, Martine that one. and Jen, thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. tough yeah. nut. She yeah. is, she is. She's a beauty, Jen. Yeah. Well, as sad as this is, we're going to start to wind down because mm-hmm. you've got uh, you've got uh, lots of things to do in the last hour or so of the 30th of June. So, yes. um, you know, we better keep going on that one. I've got to try and make it to office works in time to buy a printer. Yes. Uh, Chili's butt. He's <laughs> ready for his dinner. <laughs> He's ready for his dinner. But you can't finish. Those who listen in regularly know that I have a a final session uh, called Debits and Credits. Oh, no. uh, You didn't tell me I was going to do a a test. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you to the test, but it's in a in a in a good way. It's not veggie math, but it's in a good way. Yeah. So the idea of debits and credits is I ask you four questions. You can answer just very briefly if you want to, or you can expand. But it's weird. It's weird. I don't get it. But I just have always felt I've explained this before. But I always feel that on a ledger, the debits is sort of the serious side, and the credits are more fun. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but I, that's just how how it strikes. Everyone so, wants a credit, don't they? They do. Every just the word credit, you just get happy when you hear about a credit, don't you? Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll start with a debit, okay? So my first question, my first debit is, if you had a magic wand right now, what is the one thing that you would change about end of financial year, about this crazy time of the year? If you could just change mm. one thing, what would it be? Tough question, that one. Uh, yeah. I think it's got better, to be honest, um, particularly now with single-touch payroll and streamlining yeah. the processes. And I think the ATO have also got a lot nicer, yes. <laughs> what they have. Yeah. And, you know, with the giving us that little bit more extension to finalise single-touch payroll, I think I think what's happening in the world, Rob, as well, is people becoming real. They're realising that life is just not about deadlines anymore. Like there is stuff that's going to happen that's going to change impact in that. So, for me, I just think if there was one thing, though, that um, I don't know, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, but I think it's, yeah, it's definitely got better. Um, but it's just that panic, I think, maybe. Just, you know, we don't, let's not panic. Let's not panic. It's yeah. end of financial year, but let's, let's stop the panic. Yeah. Great call. Great yeah. call. I think I think that's almost number one. Chili absolutely agrees yes. with you there, Very by the way. about um, Chili. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So onto the credits. I great answer. I love. I agree. I think the ATO are really trying very hard these days to work closely, especially with BAS agents and bookkeepers, mm. and to just work with them. I, I I totally agree with you. I think the ATO are really coming coming along in in uh, leaps and bounds there. Yeah. Okay. First first credit. Okay. A bit of a bit of bit more of a fun one. Yeah. 
I observe you as you are an immaculate dresser. You you dress absolutely (laughs) immaculately, appropriately. But my question to you is, and this is almost a personal question to to maybe help somebody like me out as a, you know, middle-aging guy, um, what's the sort of thing when you go to, say, the ICB conference or uh, some sort of bookkeeping event, you look around and there's all these magnificently dressed, um, beautiful women out there, and then you see us guys, what... In, from a fashion point of view, what's a big no-no right now for a guy to rock up to a conference or an event in Brook? What, what's the sort of thing oh. you go, oh, oh, Rob, why are you doing that? Why are you wearing that? Well, Help me out here, Brooke. There's a funny little thing called sheens, which is like uh, sneakers and jeans together. I think like <laughs> running the old, like I reckon the casual sneakers are okay, but if you run the high, you know, Viz kind of colour ASICs or something with a pair of, you know, wide jeans. Yes. I might go, ooh, a little bit on that one. <laughs> but, you know, I have no judgement over people's fashion sense, you know. I think whatever you feel comfortable in, Rob, is okay with me. <laughs> Great answer. I'm very glad I didn't buy those high-vis Nikes that I saw at the BFO the other day. So I'm very pleased about that now. I've made a good decision by the sound of it. Black ones are okay, Rob. Black ones are okay. If you go with the black, you'll be fine. I, yeah. I, went, I, I bought the black, so there oh, you good. go. Yeah. Next debit. Mm-hmm. So back to more serious, I guess. So right now, as we capture this podcast, and I hope one day your girls at minimum will listen back on this and be so proud of their mum and how yeah. how passionate and how open you have been. But right now you're in lockdown in Perth and, yes. and our friends around the country, most, most of the states are locked down again at the moment. How are you seeing small business surviving during COVID? So obviously you know, Perth hasn't maybe been as affected or certainly mm. hasn't been as affected as, as many of, you know, especially Melbourne in particular and now Sydney. But yes. how have you found small business in Perth during COVID? Um, to be honest, Perth has probably grown during COVID in the last 12 months. Obviously, we've had our smaller lockdowns and it's it's really hit, you know, our clients, you know, like our florists, um, our bigger restaurants, some retail, you know, they, they have been really hurting. Um Perth Touchwood has been sort of lucky so far, I would say, amongst our clients anyway. We've seen quite a bit of growth. And I think particularly down in the southwest region as well, Rob, you'd probably say the same. There's actually been quite a bit of growth for businesses down there. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of clients did get JobKeeper in the beginning and, and things like that. And I think some of them utilised that money um, really well as well. Um, and reinvested back into their, or employed more people, reinvested back into their businesses, um, and some of them have gone to the next level. I've got one client who um, was environmental scientist and just started his business just before COVID, was going to do um, food testing, and then COVID hit, and he got the big contracts with BHB and Woodside for doing surface testing up in the mines. Mm. So he's gone from three guys to 50 staff. Wow. You know, there has been, a, you know, I'm saying that there has been a lot of growth, but there's obviously the businesses that have also been infected, which is, um, yeah, been really hard. And our non-for-profits, like we look after Pride WA, they lost yep. a lot of their funding. So we've just been doing their work pro bono basically for them, just, yeah. you know, getting yeah. through because, yeah, some businesses did get hard hit as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Finally, finally, this is uh, our last question. This is where we'll <laughs> allow you to go off and uh, you give t- a glass Tilly, of wine, t- I think. Not, not Tilly, Chili. Tilly. Tilly's my border collie. Yeah, uh, Chili. We've got Chili Tilly and Tilly. Jewish Tilly. <laughs> um, so it, it, it is getting close to tea time, certainly Chili's tea time. Mm. So this is my final question. Okay. And this can be a, across history. This can be anyone. If you could have three people over for tea tonight, oh. of anybody, any time in history, right now, who would they be? Oh gosh, Rob, you pulled pulled that one on me. Um, <laughs> let me think. Well, my cousin Sherelle, because she, I was meant to fly to Queensland on Friday, and obviously I can't go, and it's her birthday. It's her fiftieth, and I was going to meet her in Noosa. So definitely I would say my cousin because I haven't seen Love her for that. three Beautiful. three years and I really miss her. So definitely her um, and who else would I have? I would probably have um, three people. Now you put it hard on me. Probably um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of someone that's probably really good looking, Rob, maybe like Ryan Gosling or something just so I could, you know, look at him. Although – in saying that, I haven't seen my partner Mark for a couple of days, so it'd be good to have him over because he's locked down in another nice. house. But yep. yeah, and um, maybe just the Queen. I've always wanted to meet the Queen. Isn't she amazing? Yeah, I saw her last night. And before night, she, like, you know, she's just out and about. She's getting old. Like, you know, she's, yeah, not the youngest little chicken anymore. So I would have loved to meet her while she's still around and hear her stories. I want to qualify. I didn't actually physically see her last night. I saw her oh, on the news, and you know say. she's what? what yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. Wonder, she's uh, she moves better than me on the cricket field at the moment. I reckon. Yeah, so yeah, she uh, she is yeah. amazing. Yeah, I I think surely I think the Queen would have to be just about at the top of everybody's yeah, list. These days. Yeah, I think so. And just you know, just to hear her journey for you know the amount of what she's seen over the years, and then you know obviously now with COVID and everything. Yeah, she would have so many stories to tell. And maybe Tom Cruise through a lamb roast. I mean, you know, if anyone's making a lamb roast. We've got to crank that out, out, out at some stage, don't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, Brooke, um, i got to say I, I'm absolutely um, – I feel honoured that uh, you have um, shared your story with us today on Heart of the Bookkeeper. Your story is is both inspirational whilst also being one of empowerment. I feel as though what you've achieved in your life is something that many women in particular would be inspired Mm. by. Congratulations on what you've done with the Small Business Lounge. I hope that you can continue to, you know, grow that dream of yours and that passion of yours um, and I hope that certainly in the future somewhere you'll be able to sit back and, and go despite the challenges and the, and the, and the dramas that have, have been part of that journey, you've landed in a really happy place and that life is good. Yeah, That's what okay. I really, really hope for you, Brooke. Thank you, Rob. And, you know, um, all these years that I've known you as well, you know, I really appreciate all the assistance you've given me and the support and the mentoring because you have been there for me through my journey over the years from Brooks Books into the Small Business Lounge with NYB. We've done some, when we went down to Margaret River, we did some things like some, you know, run some workshops together and things. So, yeah, it's been really great having you by my side as well and to really appreciate, yeah, just connecting in the industry, I think. And for all the bookkeepers out there, just one last thing, Rob, is, you know, um, don't, you know, with the accounting firms and things like that, we always kind of feel possibly threatened by them. But I remember James Scully saying to me once in a while, he goes, I can't wait for that day when the bookkeepers actually start employing the accountants. 
So think big, that's what I do. And, you know, it's possible for everyone to grow their business if that's your passion and that's where you want to go. I can't think of a better way to finish this podcast. Thank you, Brooke Arnott. (laughs) It's been an absolute delight and wish you all the very best. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Brooke, for being so open and honest with your life journey to date. And we absolutely want to wish you and the team at the Small Business Lounge all the very best for the years ahead. Keep kicking those goals and keep striving to make bookkeeping sexy and cool. We absolutely love that. So, folks, join us again next episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper. Stay safe and well, and we love your heart. Listener.